My name is Max Rudolph, and along with Dave Ingram, thank you for joining the Crossing Thin Ice podcast presented by Actuarial Risk Management. We hope you also check out our free quarterly newsletter and webinar. Nothing you hear today should be considered investment advice. We are here to educate and perhaps even entertain. One of the hardest things for a risk manager to stress test is the risk that cycles and has not occurred during their working lifetime. Interactions and nuances of inflation and the expectations around inflation are one such risk. Reviewing past events and talking to the old timer who lived through the event can be helpful. And, and don't forget to consider the possibility of the opposite, disinflation or even deflation happening. When we renewed our most dangerous risk survey for 2023, inflation jumped to the top of the list, up from number two last year, but far out of the leaderboard in the years before that. The inflation that we have been experiencing, though, feels very bad to almost everyone. But to a large degree, it has been so far been much milder than the inflation of the 1970s and 80s. That's likely because we're coming off of a 30-year period when inflation averaged just above the 2% per year Fed target. The 6.5% calendar year CPI increase in 2022 seemed extremely high compared to that. But in the 1970s and 80s, the U.S. lived through an entire 10-year period when inflation averaged more than 1.4% higher than that 2022 one-year result. And the March 2023 12-month CPI inflation figure is already down to just 5%. Inflation hawks have been predicting this inflation since the Fed actions of 2008 and 2009 that followed the global financial crisis. So we finally got the inflation that they were predicting. But to get this result, it took four big jolts. First, a major pandemic. Second, historic money supply expansion from the Fed to fight the economic effects of the pandemic, as well as the third cause, which is the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. In addition, COVID triggered the fourth driver, the so-called Great Resignation, which both put a crimp in supply chains and also caused a surge in wages, with employers often having to pay new hires much more than prior staff. Inflation is a major risk, though, because we do not know with any certainty the future course of any of those four recent drivers of inflation. COVID keeps evolving into new variants, each one more contagious than the last. On the other hand, the Federal Reserve seems to be committed to working against future inflation, since that is one of their two major responsibilities. The future of the conflict in Ukraine is seen as much more uncertain now than it was expected to be a year ago. And the Great Resignation seems to be settling down some, but workplace attitudes have likely quote-unquote permanently changed in ways that we do not yet fully understand. Some economists argue that much of this was temporary, and some of it has been. Gasoline prices actually fell by 1.5% in 2022. But many of the price increases have been persisting, causing other prices to rise. Or there's a catch-up on wages. Workers wishing to get higher wages due to prior inflation in cost of consumer goods, along with cost of living allowance, automatic adjustments for Social Security. 
there's a catch-up on prices. Businesses are, are wishing to get higher prices to catch up with costs of goods and labor. And then there's the anticipation of future inflation impact on wages and prices. There's also an increase in interest rates needed to achieve a positive real return, which drives higher home and rent prices. And also increased interest rates due to the Fed actions to raise rates to reduce economic activity, to reduce demand, to reduce inflation. And finally, there's a catch-up on profit margins by businesses who are looking to get higher profit margins on prices that, that may have had inadequate margins in the past as prices are changing. Insurers can react to the past and future inflation by addressing each of those four types of impacts. For expenses, short-term contracts will, of course, be repriced. Longer-duration contracts will need to be creative with solutions, including adjustments to crediting rates and outsourcing. With respect to claims cost, fixed claim policies may offer no underwriting margin to help with overhead that's inflating. And those policies where claims are indexed to higher costs, such as auto repair, will need to be repriced. With respect to investment returns, insurers have been forced to reach for yield during a low rate regime and may now be able to take some risk off the table with more focus on investment grade bonds. And finally, for asset values, the recent rise in rates has extended the duration of residential mortgages in some portfolios by a factor of two. What other surprises are over the horizon? Historical stress test scenarios should be tested. While many worry about inflation, and rightfully so, in, in the U.S., we've recently been experiencing disinflation or a slowing of inflation, and, and longer-term pressure could lead to deflation. Japan provides recent experience about how a country deals with deflation. The U.S. nearly experienced deflation in 2020 before stimulus packages reignited price increases. The most recent longer-term bout with deflation in the U.S., was associated with the depression from nearly a century ago. Recently, transitory inflation peaked only when the Fed initiated a tight monetary policy to slow demand. Historically high levels of government debt to GDP of nearly 130% signal inflationary pressures. Longer term demographic trends, fewer workers and more elderly dependents, along with the costs to repair damage caused by wars and climate change, they're all deflationary. No one knows for certain how this will play out, making it important for risk managers to stress test in multiple directions. A high inflation scenario, say one that increases the inflation rate each year by 3% until reaching 15% and then staying there for an, another five years before falling provides one challenge. Another type is faced by an inflation scenario that decreases 2% per year until it's negative and stays there for five years. These are good tests for capital levels. Tests of reserve adequacy should not be as extreme. Stress tests should reflect the current environment and be regularly reviewed for possible updates. I want to take a, a moment, though, to, to mention quickly that Dave and I, along with the rest of the actuarial risk management or ARM team, are available for your ERM needs. Uh, whether you're producing your first ORSA report, want to improve your internal ERM process, or want to educate your board on the basics of ERM, 
please let us know. You can also reach out to Mark Altschul to learn more about some new offerings that, that ARM has, in particular, the Actuarial Data and Modeling Institute, or, or DMI. Dave, why do you think inflation is such an important topic to insurers? I think of it really broadly that way is it, uh, when you have inflation, it means that the, the game is changing. Imagine playing in any sport on a playing field that is constantly growing or shrinking. Insurance inflation drives claims costs for many proje- uh, products. And, and in addition, uh, inflation can put companies with uh, loose expense control out of the competition. And, and certainly I know I worked for a couple companies that were weak on the expense control and uh, had to learn it real fast uh, many years ago, the last time we had a bout of inflation. Max, what do you think about uh, the importance of inflation? You've talked before about coming up with changing field of play with inflation. And I was trying to come up with uh, an example of something like that. And it was interesting because all I could come up with was the games that, that Calvin and Hobbes would, would play on, on the fly in, in the comics. It's just not something that, you know, there's an awful lot of interactions, an awful lot of complexity in there. Inflation is a driver of interest rates, which are, are key to many insurance products. These products should only be offered to policyholders when rates are stable. Banks have discovered this issue the hard way recently, as inflation popped back up here over the last several months. But it's similar to stability being important to life on Earth as we know it. That also requires a stable band of of temperatures. Similarly, insurance products only work well within a a certain band of inflation and interest rates. Uh, It reminds me the results from a series of stress tests collected for a single premium deferred annuity product, where we essentially did seven, I think, deterministic scenarios across several different products at different interest rates. And just to give a very quick picture of of where was the risk, and this was something very quick and dirty that you could do and and share with boards that small companies could do as as well as uh, big companies. But in any case, the the assets in in that example are worth less and liabilities more as the rates move away in either direction from from the initial rate. You know, they have opposite convexity, so, so form uh, intersecting curves that look somewhat like a, a frown and a smile. And when you subtract the value of the liabilities from the value of the assets, it, it works well if, if interest rates don't move too much, but pretty poorly outside that range. Inflation also makes customers less likely to want insurance products, makes people take a more short-term financial focus. Their expectations change uh, as inflation expectations increase. So people prefer to have more stuff now rather than less stuff later when it costs more. So this gets recorded as an acceleration in the velocity of money, uh, which we're seeing bounce off the floor over the last couple of quarters. But but that's certainly beyond uh, our discussion today. Dave, inflation is defined in, in many ways. Are there some that you prefer when, when you're managing risk? Well, you see, Max, I, I think of inflation more like a fever. Uh, it's a symptom of a problem. There's many types of problems that c- could cause inflation, and they don't all 
warrant the same reaction. So you have to be really careful. You have to look into what's causing it, what's the drivers. What do you think, Max? Well, I'm old enough to remember the the supply shock inflation of the 1970s driven by the, the oil embargoes. Uh, I can remember gas prices below 20, 20 cents per gallon and then over $3 per gallon, not too much after that. When prices increased, what I remember seeing is that behaviors changed. Gas supply was constrained. You know, all the pictures of the, the lines, uh, people waiting for gas. Uh, so there, there was less travel. Transportation costs were higher, and, which leads to an increase in prices for food, which led to, to wage increases just trying to keep up. You know, once those expectations uh, for inflation change, it's really hard to bring them back under control. So I, I think that's why the, the Fed is, is fighting so hard to try to do that today. It's just a matter of trying to make sure they don't overshoot their, their goals. Speaking of central bankers, Dave, do you think they can manage inflation as part of their mandates? Well, yeah, expectation is one of those really uh, tough drivers of of uh, inflation. You you think there's going to be inflation, so you want to get your share uh, uh, right now. But central banks, as I mentioned before, are trying to manage inflation, but they can only manage a few of the drivers. Central bank tools, when they're used to to fight other causes of inflation, is is like the practice that uh, the uh, medical profession had uh, a long time ago of bleeding patients to cure them of many diseases. And, and that practice was widely practiced for hundreds of years. Central banks can impact the money supply and the cost of balancing. And, and that's, that's a, an awful lot of what they can do. And, and those things can be used to, to reduce demand. But if the drivers of inflation are on the supply side, as many of them are right now, uh, then the central bank tools won't fix those. So uh, any efforts that they're doing now to slow the economy to fix a supply side problem, likely to do possibly much damage to the economy. And uh, they'll only help as long as the economy is held down. And as soon as they release those pressures, then uh, there'll be a pop back uh, to the inflation. Because some of the drivers of inflation right now are all about resetting the different prices between different uh, uh, different goods and services in, in the economy. What's what's your take on that, Max? Well, I agree with what you're you're saying. The central banker tools may work when the economy heats up, you know, as when it's a demand issue. Um, but the decrease in supply needs needs different tools, and and perhaps something like uh, infrastructure. Insourcing that builds resilience against supply chain issues. We're at a unique time in, in history, and it seems like we always are, but we seem definitely to be at, at that point of late. Uh, in the supply demand world of economics, central bankers have inflated assets since 2008, perhaps earlier, uh, by keeping borrowing rates low, uh, but government spending has also inflated the economy. Today, we see quantitative tightening and central bank rate increases at the same time, along with continued deficit spending. And, and all that results in an uncertain world likely to end up with recession, defaults, and a challenging job market. Uh, retail, restaurant, and other entry-level and minimum wage jobs are, are hard to fill. 
we've mm-hmm. we've restricted the immigrants that used used to fill those those jobs those entry level jobs that all has a history of when you have a pandemic you you have inflation that follows so it shouldn't be surprising we did a a little bit of a talk with Octavio Rojas uh, which was really interesting and as part of that we we talked about retirement planning and and things like that but what what's your take on on some of this? Many countries offer COLA adjustments for their Social Security type retirement payments. So is this healthy for an economy in the long run? Well, Max, I do remember back when the COLA was instituted. You know, you had your memories and uh, of, of long ago things. Uh, the COLA was added uh, after a couple of bouts, and it was actually a long time that the the Social Security system went where. Uh, any uh, cost of living adjustments had to be legislatively added to the system. Uh, so it was something that was, that was happening sporadically with the, the, the intense bout of inflation that we saw uh, in, in the late 70s and early 80s. The, the COLA adjustments kept coming up year after year after year as being needed. And having an automatic cost of living adjustment uh, was thought to be much more reliable and to be a more fair way to deal with that situation. But in my opinion, it's unhealthy for an economy to have retiree benefits that are fully indexed to cost, while wages of the active workers uh, don't keep up with cost inflation. Because in that situation, the resources of society are increasingly, over time, tilted toward retirees and away from active workers which totally distorts incentives. There, I think the problem is not the COLA. The problem is the wages that are not keeping up with cost inflation. In our situation in the US, it's meant that over time, the benefits of the economy have been shifting more and more away from the the workers, away from labor and towards the providers of capital. And that issue is way beyond our scope here. Max, you you talk about scenario testing a lot, and, and one of the things I've heard you say is that uh, we should be testing both inflation and deflation. Can you uh, tell us about that a little bit more? Yeah, let me start off with a, with a definition. Deflation is when inflation is negative. That's pretty simple, you know, so less than zero. Disinflation means the rate of change of inflation is negative, say if inflation is reduced from 9 to 6%, that's that's disinflation. There's few times in histories in U.S. history that we've seen deflation, mainly during the Depression and the latter part of the 19th century during the the Gilded Age. A strong decrease in demand could cause deflation, we were talking about a little bit ago. Um, And this could also be caused by an overzealous central bank trying to catch up its policy response and and overdoing it by by tightening too quickly or or too strongly. Insurers should, should stress test both inflation and deflation, in my opinion, to see which scenarios are problematic uh, based on exposures. Rates should go up by at least 10% on the upside. Um, I did a a survey a few years back and most companies said for their their testing that they weren't going more than 5% higher than the the current environment. That was when rates were lower than they are today. Um, I think you need to go into double digits for sure. And then you also, on the other side, you need to go below zero on the downside to go into to negative. You know, and you can't say we haven't had examples worldwide where we've seen deflation. Japan, you know, for for many years, and then you know of the of late, 
you know, many countries in, in Europe and, and elsewhere have also shown uh, some signs of, of deflation. I think you should also look at the results by product and asset class, because there may be, be time to proactively adjust your actions. You, know, you can build your strategy around what you learn. But we also, as, as you mentioned, Dave, you've got social inflation and, and also unlock gap assumptions seem like great candidates to provide unexpected outcomes. And we're seeing some of that play out in the marketplace already this year. Insurers are already seeing excess lapses on products. For some reason, they're surprised. They didn't test that ahead of time. They didn't recognize that their assumptions and formulas, they're not reflecting reality. And they were built off of a time perspective that had no data points really that would be with these products in place when rates were rising. These are products that are new since that time in the 70s when we when we had inflation last. So there's many other risks of which inflation can be a threat multiplier, you know, interacting with other risks. One is when an emerging country has to issue debt in U.S. dollars. This makes these countries less economically stable since the U.S. focuses on solutions that help our economy. You know, you might remember the quote, you know, since we're talking about remembering days of our youth, it's our currency, but your problem from John Connolly, the secretary of the Treasury under Nixon in 71. You know, how do you build that into a stochastic scenario? You can't. You really have to just go out and look at your exposure and try different things until you find one that really impacts and test out your assumptions as, as well. Inflation is a risk that impacts everyone, workers, retirees, companies, even governments. Insurers see inflation in asset values, expenses, claims, and investment returns. High levels of debt to GDP leave us susceptible to inflation, but also to central bank overcorrection and deflation. As always, scenarios should test both the expected and the unexpected. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Crossing Thin Ice, presented by Actuarial Risk Management. If you found it valuable, please share with others, like, and subscribe.